life is being controlled and directed by either your healthy or unhealthy thinking. Today, we'll be learning some lessons on how to move from unhealthy thinking to healthy thinking. This message is the fourth in the series, Remind. The message is entitled, From Unhealthy to Healthy, Part 1. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Bibles this morning as we get ready to study God's Word together. And as you're getting ready this morning, let's welcome all the folks from our Frederick campus. We welcome all you folks from Frederick. Give them a good round of applause up in Frederick and glad to be able to join in worship together today. We're involved in a series of messages called, called Remind. We're talking about how to get our mind in the right place for a new year and how God can help us to change our life by changing the way that we think. I'm going to ask you to turn with me, or at least look on your notes there, at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and also Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, that will be the two theme verses for our study together for the next few moments. Proverbs 4, verse 23, I'm going to ask that we all read it together loud and loudly, and all the folks in Frederick, Gaithersburg, let's read it enthusiastically on this Sunday morning. Here we go. Be careful what you think. Because your thoughts run your life. Notice the Bible says you must be very careful with your thought process because what you think is really setting the course of your life. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2, and I'll read these for you from the New Century Version. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to Him and what is perfect. New Living Translation renders it this way. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The Bible says that if you're, you and I are going to become a new person, we have to be transformed into that person by having God change the way that we think, the, the thought processes of our life. And so I want to help us today to understand how to begin moving toward that change of thought process, moving from what we're calling the unhealthy way of thinking to a healthy way of thinking. A couple of weekends ago, we talked about how we need to move from unholy thinking to holy thinking. Now we're talking about moving from unhealthy thinking to healthy thinking. Let me give you a little bit of information about your mind just for a moment. I think you'll find this interesting. First of all, your brain is an amazing thing, an amazing organ. It's actually the internal hard drive of your, of your body, if you will. Everything that happens in your body is regulated by the control center called your mind. And this gray matter that sits in your skull here weighs three pounds. About three pounds is the average weight of the human brain. And to think about something that small being a control center, everything in your body has over 100 billion neurons in it. Think about that, 100 billion neurons in your brain. A neuron is simply a nerve cell. And something interesting happens as, as you go through life, you respond to things both consciously and unconsciously, but your mind is generating information, it's, gener it's, it's storing memories, all kinds of things are happening that you're not even aware of at times in terms of your brain. You're responding to things oftentimes what seems to be automatically, but it's happened because your brain has pro been programmed effectively to respond to life in ways that, uh, again, you're not perhaps thinking about in the moment. And part of this also is conscious because you and I choose thoughts that we will think. And as we think a thought, anytime you choose to embrace a thought in your mind, in your brain, something interesting happens. As soon as you choose a thought, you focus on a thought, there's something that occurs called the firing of these neurons. 
these little nerve cells in your, in your brain begin to fire off, and there's from that neurotransmitters and chemicals that begin to be emitted from, in your brain that starts a pathway and a network of other thoughts and memories in your mind, and there are connecting points along the way. And if you continue to think the same thought over a period of time, you begin to form what we call neural pathways or neurological pathways of thinking. That is, there are literal parts of your mind that begin to be structured in certain ways. I talked about it a couple of weekends ago as well when I described moving from maybe if you're going from one destination to another and you have to go through maybe a a forest to get there and how the first time you go through the forest you're trying to weave your way around the trees and to move your way through to get to the destination but over a period of time if you walk down the same pathway you form actually a pattern or a path and it becomes easier to get through the forest. Well, that's how your mind works. Your mind is trying to figure out easy ways to get you places and the way that it does that is by what you think about. And the more you think about certain things, the more paths are cut in your mind, and then you find yourself going down those paths without even realizing it. Now, that's all good as long as those paths are healthy. But it's also very difficult if those paths are unhealthy because it leads you to unhealthy places. And we're going to talk in a moment about how to define what those unhealthy things are. And so this is your amazing brain. And I believe that this year God has a plan for your life. And His plan is to help you to get some more healthy patterns, some healthy pathways in your thinking. Because when you think the right way, you're going to feel the right way. When you think the right way, you're going to act the right way. And so God wants to help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let me share with you three things today that will help you to move forward in that journey. The first thing we must understand is that all of us, every person here, we have what I would call broken, unhealthy thought patterns. Everybody here. There's not a single person in this room that's completely healthy in your thinking. All of us are broken in some way. We all have unhealthy thinking. And it starts with how we're born into this world. All of us came into this world with, with some, some bad software. We've got this hard drive called the brain, but loaded on it is an operating system, and the operating system has some flaws in it. And the operating system is flawed by the fact that all of us are born into the world as sinners. There's not a single person that comes into this world really loving God and serving God. We're all born as sinners. The Bible is very clear about that. Psalm 51, verse 5, the psalmist David said, For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20 says, There's not one totally good person on earth, not one who is truly pure and sinless. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 3, describes who we were before we met Christ. In the past, you were spiritually dead because of your sins and the things you did against God. Yes, in the past you lived the way the world lives, following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. That same spirit is now working in those who refuse to obey God. In the past, as before we met Christ, all of us lived like them, trying to please our, what kind of selves? Sinful selves. And doing all these things, all the things our bodies and minds wanted. So our minds were pulling us away from God. We should have suffered God's anger because we were sinful by nature. We were the same as all other people. And so we must understand that we've got this problem called the sin nature. And as, as, a, as, as, as our mind thinks, we tend to think from a natural perspective, anti-God or our own way rather than God's way. In addition to that, we live in a sinful world. Would you agree that our world is sinful, right? 
You just look at the kind of things that happen. As late as yesterday, you see what happened over in, in uh, Howard County. Those kinds of things remind us that we live in a world that is a very sinful kind of world. And so we're surrounded not just by our own sinful nature, but by sinful people. And because we are surrounded by sinful people, sometimes sinful people hurt people, don't they? And you've been in situations in your life before with relationships and interactions with people that not only have you created your own problems, but other people have created some problems for you. Would you just agree this morning? Can we just take a show of hands? How many of you had some problems in your life that other people created for you, right? Okay. Other people made them for you. You had nothing to do with it, but you dealt with stuff because of what they did, right? And so here you are, you're already struggling with your own sinful nature and your own mind, and then these people come along and do certain things to you, or certain events happen in your life, and before long you're not only struggling with you, but you're struggling with what they did to you, and so these are impacting your life. It might be a family you grew up in that was less than healthy, somewhat dysfunctional. It might have been some experiences you had in school or experiences you had with peers, but all these things affect our lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, Bad company that's hanging out with the wrong people, being around bad influences, will corrupt good character, will corrupt the way that you think. And so here's what's going on. Inside of us, we are broken, unhealthy. Why? Because of sin in us, sin around us, and the choices we make in response to all of that. And so the thing we must recognize today is everybody here is messed up. Isn't that good news? Everybody here at some level is messed up. So you thought you were the only one. Aren't you glad to know the person sitting beside you is messed up too? We all have a messed up mind at some level. We don't think as healthy in, in as healthy of a way as we should. Here's the second thing I want you to know today. Unchecked, by the way, it's a key word. You might want to circle it on your notes. Unchecked, unhealthy thoughts lead to, here's a word you will write down, habitual, unhealthy thinking unchecked that if you don't if you don't intervene if you don't do something about unhealthy thinking what will happen with that unhealthy thinking what will what will occur in your life it will become what habitual let me say it again very very significant here that if you don't check if you don't intervene if you don't do something with this thought process that is sinful by nature and surrounded by sin and based upon the choices you make in reaction to all this, if you don't intervene in your thought process in some level, then what will happen is over a period of time, all these unholy, unhealthy thoughts will become the habit pattern. of your You will habitually think like this. See, when you accept a thought, it goes into your mind, as we talked about a few moments ago, and it fires all of these neurons and all these neurotransmitters and all these chemicals, and again, it paves a pathway for you, and then you find yourself just going there. You ever had that happen before? That something happens in your life and it triggers something inside of you that felt like something before and before long you're down here in this mental pit and you don't really realize how you got there. You just sort of went there. And your brain went there because that was an unhealthy way of thinking that's been maybe a part of your life for a long, long time. Maybe it's been negativity in your mind, or maybe it's fear, or some other things we'll talk about in a few moments. But your mind just goes zoop right there, and you don't even know. I didn't really, you didn't think you chose to get there, but it's the habit pattern of your thinking. Now, the Bible refers to this kind of thinking, habitual bad thinking, 
that leads to habitual bad behavior. The Bible calls this foolish. Now, when we hear the word foolish, we have the tendency to sort of think of somebody that's sort of a clown, okay? Oh, he's just a fool. He's a clown. Well, that's not the way the Bible defines a fool. The way the Bible defines a fool is someone that doesn't think the right way. And because they don't think the right way, they don't act and feel the right way. You might recall the story in Matthew chapter 7 when Jesus gave the illustration of two men building houses. And one man built his house on the rock and one man built his house on the sand. Anyone remember the story? And of course, the man that built his house on the rock, when the rain came down, the house stood firm. And the man that built his house on the sand, when the rain came down, of course, it washed out the foundation and the house fell down. And, and Jesus uses these words. He talks about the wise man building his house on the rock and the foolish man building his house on the sand. What made the difference between these two? What made one man wise and one man foolish? The thing that made, them, made the difference was the wise man thought about where he was going to build his house. He actually gave some consideration to the fact, you know, if I'm going to build a house, I need to think about what's going to provide security for this. I'm going to build something on a rock. He used some good engineering skills, some engineering processes and thought, thought processes to build his home. The other man didn't think about it. And because he didn't think about it, he got into trouble. Now, of course, Jesus goes on and talks about how that relates to our obedience or lack of obedience to his word. But what I want you to see is the difference between being wise and foolish it's what you do with your mind. See, wisdom and foolishness is not just some sort of event that happens in your life with just a few people. He's just a fool. No, it happens, can happen to all of us in certain categories if we don't learn to think the right way. Now, let's see what the Bible says to us about foolish thought processes. Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 14. Let's read this together aloud and loudly. Again, all of us in Frederick and Gaithersburg. Here we go. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. The Bible says the difference between a wise person and a foolish person is what you feed your mind on. Wise people process, think about, go after, hungry for knowledge, the right kind of information, while fools, what are they doing? They're not paying attention to what they're consuming. They're not, being, they're not adding any good thought process to it. Notice Proverbs 17, verse 16. Parents, here's a good one for you. It is senseless to pay tuition to educate a fool. Since he has, here's the key, since he has no what? heart for learning. So you can't teach anyone something if they don't have a heart for it, right? And you're never going to change the habitual, unhealthy habit patterns, thought patterns of your life unless you have a heart to learn how to think differently. Proverbs 17, verse 16, quite graphic, but very, very descriptive. As a dog goes back to its vomit, so a fool repeats his stupidity. Proverbs 26, 11, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Here's what we see. If you are thinking habitually negative thoughts and you don't intervene in those thoughts, you end up at the same place every time. It's like a dog going back to its vomit, the Bible says. You just end up in the same kind of mess you've always been in. So you can't change the mess of your life until you change the thought process in your mind. And when you think more wisely, then it will change a lot of the circumstances of the life around you and the emotions that you experience in your life. Now, 
Let me introduce two more words here as we're talking about wise and foolish that will help us to, I think, move to our final point together today. And that's this. If you're going to be wise, you've got to develop your mind and you have to discipline your mind. You'll never develop your mind without disciplining your mind. See, a lot of people have a false idea about wisdom. They think wisdom is something you just ask for. Now, by the way, the Bible says that you can ask God for wisdom and He will give it to you, right? James chapter 1. So God loves to give wisdom. He's the God of wisdom. And yes, God will give you wisdom. But God doesn't give you wisdom apart from your thinking. If you want some wisdom, you have to do some thinking as well, right? There's some work that you bring to it. And so wisdom is something that you obtain in your life by development. It's something you obtain in your life by effort. It's something that you attain in your life by discipline. If you don't believe that, read the book of Proverbs because the book of Proverbs over and over again tells us about disciplining our mind, developing ourselves, learning, having a hunger for truth. And so if you're going to be a wiser person in the way that you think, you've got to develop your mind. You've got to discipline your mind because if you don't listen closely, if you don't develop and discipline your mind, you will not have any filters in your mind to keep the bad stuff out. And you and I need filters, and that's what a wise person develops. They develop filters in their thinking so that when the bad stuff comes their way, the unhealthy thoughts come toward them, what do they have? They've learned by wisdom because they've developed their mind to think the way God wants them to think, and they've learned to discipline their mind. They're only going to think the way God wants them to think. They begin to learn this process. And so when the negative comes in, when the things that come in that are contrary to God's Word or God's will, they have some filters that reject. You know, your problem many, for, for many of us today is that you have no filters in your mind. That whatever comes in just sort of ends up in your emotions and ends up in your actions and you found yourself sort of in a really difficult state for a period of time and you sort of recuperate, get back on, on Kelter again and then another thought comes and knocks you off your equ- equilibrium again and because you haven't developed any filters in your thinking. And next weekend we're going to talk about some very specific filters that every believer needs to develop. They're right in the Bible. The Bible says here are the filters you need when you think that will help you to have the right kind of emotion emotions in your life. And so you have to make a decision. I'm going to develop my mind. That requires effort, right? If you want to develop your muscles, what do you have to do? You can't just pray every day, oh God, give me amazing muscles. No, you can't do it. You have to actually go to the gym and work out. You have to engage yourself in the process. And over a period of time, your muscles develop the same way with your mind. You have to exercise it under godliness, the Bible says. And you have to bring some discipline to bear. And it's something that you can do. And so what are we learning today? First of all, first thing we learn, very simple, we're all messed up. Isn't that good to know? The second thing is, is that when you get messed up, you have a tendency in your mind to continue to track down the same patterns you've always been in. There's this habitual thing in your thinking that gets you, it's gotten you into bad places before. It'll continue to do something unless there's an intervention. Let's go to our third and final point together today. The third thing you have to understand is that Satan targets and he seeks to twist your thinking also. There's a spiritual element to this I want to bring to bear in terms of an attack on your mind. 
In addition to our own vulnerabilities, our own sinful nature and the world in which we live around us and our reactions to it, there is an evil realm of darkness that we live in. It's an unseen world. And the Bible is very clear that we live in a seen world and in an unseen world. There's a reality of the unseen world. In the unseen world, there are forces of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. Now, when I talk about forces of darkness, let me make something very clear. I'm not trying to be mystical about it. I'm not trying to make you afraid of some kind of darkness because if you know Jesus, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. Why? Because you have the light, okay? You don't have to fear darkness, but you need to be educated about it. The Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We have to know how he operates. And so we have to learn a little bit about the realm of darkness to know how to defend ourselves appropriately against it and to do more than defend, but to actually take an offensive attack against the evil one. And so I want you to see today that as you're going about living your life, and you're dealing with your own stuff inside, there's also other forces around you in the unseen world of darkness trying to trip you up as well, trying to twist the way that you think. And Satan and his forces of darkness like to get into your mind. He loves to mess with your thinking and mess with your mind. Now, how does he do this? I'm going to give you some, some things today that will help you to begin to start identifying some painful thoughts, some, excuse me, some unhealthy thoughts in your life and some ways that Satan sort of piggybacks on these things and holds you captive. And I'll show you how it happens before I talk about, about these ten things. Satan knows this. He knows this. He knows that if he can get to your mind, he can control your life. If he can make you, if he can cause you to think in an unhealthy, unholy way in some part of your life, he has a string on you right in that area. And as soon as he wants to sort of yank on that string and get you to do what he wants, he plays with that thought. He pulls on that thought. He plays with your mind in that way. And when he plays with your mind, he's pulled you, he pulls you out of the spiritual game and he leaves you ineffective for the kingdom of God. You know, there are a lot of Christians that have amazing potential in their spiritual journey to be used by God, but they've got these, these things in their mind that Satan holds them back with. And all of us have felt that before. I just want to do more for God, but I feel like this is holding me back. And many times that this is some aspect of your thinking. And Satan likes to get into people's lives by affecting the way that they think. And there are 10 common areas where Satan plays around with your brain. He plays around with your thinking. Now let me say one other thing before I go to these, these 10. There's so many things I want to say today. Let me add, add one more thing. If your brain, the gray matter, is your hard drive, what is your thinking? It's your software, okay? Right? It's your operating system. It's the applications that you download. And so we're downloading these applications that run on the, on the hard drive of our mind. And Satan likes to play around with your software. He likes to send you viruses and malware. Okay, He likes to cause you to open up that document that has that hidden worm in it. And to get something in your thinking. It might be through a conversation you will have with someone. It might be through something you'll read or something you just sit back. You're sort of thinking on it. Satan plants a little thought there. And there's a virus that gets into your software. And you start wondering, well, why, why am I feeling like my operating system's a loft? Well, because there's something out of whack there. 
But here's the good news. Jesus is the great debugger. Amen? He knows how to clean up the software of your thinking, right? Now, let me talk about some of these common viruses. Are you ready for it? What are some of the common ways that Satan plays around with people? First of all, through painful thinking. All of us have pain in our lives, don't we? Emotional pain, correct? Two people? You only, you only the two that have it, okay? I know the rest of you are busy writing down, I understand. Well, let's just stop. Anybody ever been hurt by anybody before? Raise your hand, okay, right? We've all been hurt, right? So you have emotional pain. Some of us have processed the pain. We're past it. Others of us, we still have painful points that if we start thinking about it, it brings the pain back up again, right? And so we go there, and it's almost like reliving it all over again. And whatever that person said to us or whatever that person did to us, we get right back there in that emotional moment, and we're feeling all those things. Why? Because we're thinking about it, and because we think about it, we start feeling it again. And that's why Satan loves to continue to remind you of the painful events that have happened in your life, because if he can hold those painful thoughts over your mind and infuse them in you, what does it do to, to you emotionally? It cripples you. It cripples you in your relationship. It affects your life in a lot of different ways. And so here's the greatest thing that can ever happen is for you to get healed from the pain. That's why Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. And the good news is that if you've got some pain inside of you, I'm not saying you ought to deny it. I'm saying you ought to bring it to Jesus because he knows how to bring restoration and healing to painful hearts and painful experiences in life. But if you continue to live in the pain without seeking the healing, then you'll, there'll always be a vulnerability to that area of thought in your life that Satan can play around with. All right? So painful thinking. The second kind of thinking is worrisome thinking. Worrisome thinking. That's when you spend your time and energy doing what? Worrying. Anxious. Worrying about what if this happens and what if that happens and what if the other thing happens. You know, there's some of you here today, you actually have a Ph.D. in anxiety. You have a Ph.D. in worry. And you worry about everything. You let it filter into your mind, and that worry actually keeps you disturbed on the inside. And so Satan loves to play around with you by bringing those worrisome thoughts. Now, by the way, there are, there, there, there are certain uh, chemical issues that, that people struggle with at times that require assistance in terms of anxiety disorders and those kinds of things. And if you're struggling with that, that's something you need to get help for. It's okay to get some help from someone that's professional that can help you uh, to deal with that. But I'm talking about just the basic sort of day-by-day -day anxiety that many of us allow into our lives. And so we have to learn to address those kind of issues, to say, you know what? I'm not going to live in, the, in, in tomorrow. I'm only going to live in today. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Worry, take, put your attention on today. Live one day at a time. And so Satan loves to play out your tomorrows for you, right? You have to put some filters on that. Here's your third one, fear. Satan loves to traffic in fear. He likes to give you fearful thoughts. 
A fearful thought really is a thought that paralyzes you. It keeps you from action. It keeps you from making investments. It keeps you from making commitments or engaging as you need to engage. And Satan comes along and he he throws out this fear at you. Well, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. So you're not going to do it because if you do that, you're going to suffer those consequences or this could happen. So this fear just paralyzes you. How many people are paralyzed by fear and just a little seed of fear keeps them from being everything that God wants him to be. And the Bible very clearly says God did not give you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. Amen? And so Jesus wants to break the chains of fear in your life. Let's go to the next one. Number four, insecurity, insecure thoughts. Satan loves to make you insecure. Insecurity is all about feeling your inabilities and feeling something of your, 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 your potential rejections. If I do this, people aren't going to like me or I'm going to be rejected by the people around me. At those overwhelming thoughts of not just, just not being good enough or acceptable enough. And there are many, many people, and some of these, by the way, are sort of coupled together. Anxiety, worry, fear, insecurity, all these things kind of run together to some degree. But insecurity is, God never designed you to function in an insecure way. God wants you to be secure. Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave so that you could be secure, so that you could know that when you die, you're going to heaven. You don't have to worry about, am I secure for eternity? You have eternal security because you know Jesus, and you also can have security day in and day out because He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so He said, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, you belong to me, you're a part of the family. And so God has done all kinds of things to bring us into an atmosphere, an orientation of security. But Satan still loves to play around with your mind and make you sense, think, feel insecure. And when he does, he can pull you out of the game. Is this helping anybody today? Number five, Satan plays around with your mind through deceptive thoughts. Deceptive thoughts. This is going to be a revelation for some of you today. But I hope you'll think what I, about this as I say it to you. Not everything that you think is true. Just because you think it does not make it true. Not everything that you think about God is true. Not everything that you think about yourself is true. And not everything that you think about other people is true. Satan will lie to you. And your mind will lie to you. Has your mind ever tricked you before? You ever found out that you were thinking, you thought you were thinking something that was true and found out later it wasn't true at all? And you wasted all that emotional energy on something and you realized it wasn't even true, okay? And here you are a day later or a week later or a month later or a decade later and you've been dealing with that thing for that many years or months or days and it's taking you down a pathway and you find, well, that wasn't even true. And so you must begin to learn to investigate your mind. You have, to, you have to interrogate your mind. You have to intervene in some ways because your mind will lie to you. Number six, the sixth kind of thought that uh, Satan loves to traffic in and play around with you and I in is what I would call damning thoughts. Satan loves to make you feel condemned. He loves to bring up your mistakes from the past and tell you, you know what, God didn't forgive that. You'll never be forgiven of that sin. 
Oh, that was really awful, that thing that you did. And maybe God forgave you, but you'll never get over it. And sometimes those damning thoughts are thoughts of not only being unforgiven, but unforgivable. You know, there's some, some people that are even Christians that struggle with the fact, wondering, well, am I really going to go to heaven? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Let me tell you something. If you're concerned about it, you haven't committed it. And so Satan loves to play around with our mind and our thinking, making us feel less than, making us feel defeated, making us feel like a horrible failure. You know, there's some Christians that even feel cursed. I've talked to them before, and so they just say, well, I just feel like I'm cursed. My life is cursed. No, your life is not cursed. If you know Jesus, you're blessed. No, your life is not disfavored. If you know Jesus, the favor of the Lord is upon you. Why? Because Christ is in you. But nevertheless, the enemy likes to make us feel as though we're cursed. Number seven, arrogant thoughts. Arrogant thoughts. The problem with arrogant thoughts, you don't know that you're having them when you have them. So much easier to see pride in somebody else, isn't it? Let me give you a little indication about arrogant thinking. Arrogant thinking has it demonstrated by judgment. When you judge somebody else, guess what you're doing? You're setting yourself up as what? Superior. I'll tell you something about arrogant thinking. It's called prejudice. Prejudice is arrogant thought. Why? Because it's setting yourself up as superior to somebody else. Anytime you set yourself up in your heart or mind as being superior to someone else, you know, the root issue of that is nothing other than pride itself. And Satan loves to cause you to think along the lines of, of prejudicial thought and judgmental thinking and all these kind of attitudes of superiority that oftentimes we embrace without even realizing it, how it affects not only our thinking but our interaction with people. Number eight, unloving thoughts. Unloving can run a gamut, sort of a a continuum from outright horrible hatred, that's unloving, to just your basic dislike. And all those things result when you're unloving in your thinking, it results in, in lack of love in your actions toward people. It might be because you're battling with revenge or bitterness or resentment towards someone that you haven't let go of, malice that's in your heart. But Satan loves to keep you all tied up with anger on the inside towards someone. Why? Because it, it links you into this lack of love that binds up your life. Number nine, exaggerated thoughts. We're just about done, so don't, don't, don't quit on me now, okay? Exaggerated thought. What, what is an exaggerated thought? Some of you are great at this. You have really learned over the years how to take molehills and make mountains out of them. The smallest little thing, you, you're able to just, you just like, you work on it. You make it really big. And Satan loves to do that because here's how it happens. Watch this. He gets your mind focused on that, okay? Now let me show you something. If you focus on one thing, if all I'm looking at is this bottle, okay? This bottle looks really, really big, okay? It's a huge bottle, okay? You know why? Because I don't see anything else. But I take it and put it in perspective, and guess what? The bottle's not that big in reference to this room, right? You know that your problem when you're looking at it It's not very big when you put it in the perspective of God, amen? When you begin to put it in the mindset of God with nothing is, God, nothing's impossible with God. 
God is great. He's the mighty, awesome God. And so what we do, Satan loves to get you focused right here on the problem. He magnifies it. And then before long, you've exaggerated it into such a big thing that now you're looking at the problem. You're not even seeing God. That's exactly what happened on the battlefield with David and Goliath. All the Israelite army, they were, they were all, all they could see was Goliath, okay? That's all they could see was Goliath. David didn't see Goliath. Who did David see? God, okay? He saw the difference in it. And so here's a way to indicate. One of, the, one of the indications also of exaggeration is when you use words like this, always and never. Say them with me. Always and never. This always happens to me. Oh, this never happens. They're always blessed. That never, I never get any blessings. That's not true. Always happen? No, it doesn't always. See, these are exaggerations that happen in your mind that affect the way not only you think, but you begin to feel. You begin to get bitter at life, bitter at God, because you think, oh, this always happens, this never happens to me. And these are the, the, the massive focus on problems or, or limitations that hold you back. Here we go with the last one. You ready for the last one? This is the trickiest one of all. And the like. I'll explain what I mean by that. I mean, I didn't have time to write all the other ones down. <laughs> They're all kind of variations of this that Satan will use in your life. Expecting the worst, making comparisons against other people and with other people blaming, all kinds of things. I could literally make this list just massive, and I didn't have time to list all of them. So just think about it in your own life and the like. What else is like this in your life that leaves you captive and holds you back? When Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, do you know what got Adam and Eve into trouble? It wasn't the bite of the fruit that got them into trouble. That was the outworking of something. What got Adam and Eve into trouble was their thinking. Because they listened to a voice. Do you hear what I just said? They listened to a voice they should never have listened to. God put them in the garden. It was perfect. They had the perfect marriage. I mean, you talk about a marriage made in heaven. This was it. You talk about a perfect environment. How could it get more perfect than the Garden of Eden? Everything you could ever want was right there. This is, if you want a perfect world, there it was. Everything was great, no problems at all, until the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1, the Scripture says there was a serpent that came down into the garden. And you know what the first thing, first thing the serpent did with Adam and Eve? interjected a question that made Adam and Eve start thinking a different way. The question was, did God really say? It wasn't even a statement, it was just a question. What do questions cause you to do? What? Why do teachers ask you questions? Because they want you to do what? They want you to think, why did Satan ask Adam and Eve the question, did God really say? Why, did he enter, why didn't he just come out and say, hey, let me tell you about this God. He doesn't care. He didn't do that. He, may, he asked a question because he wanted to engage what? The thought process of Adam and Eve and lead them down a pathway where their thinking would lead them to wrong behavior. Did God really say? And that's how Satan likes to intervene in your life. He'll just ask you a question. He'll plant a thought. He'll in, in, invade you with a little mental virus. 
And before long, you're moving down a pathway that leads into pain in your life. Now, we're going to put a comma right there, okay? And next week, I'm going to talk about the filters. How do you intervene with these areas? So you don't want to miss next week. By the way, uh, we're going to go for a total, of totally, a total of 12 weeks in this series. I know it's a long series, uh, but I feel like I need to cover this. And so we're going to be in class for uh, another, what, uh, eight, eight, seven this is the fourth one. So we got seven more lessons in this. So don't miss any of them. Don't miss next weekend as we continue. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word today. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll take what we talked about today, that, Lord, suddenly our hearts and minds would become alive with the truth that you planted in us. We pray that the word of God would, would, would really be alive deep in our spirit. And I pray you'll help us to truly this year, Lord, in a new way like never before, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us to do this, and we trust in that today. Empower us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.